they, uh, one lady, Anne, is in California and, and uh, going to be there for the winter. And, and Jim, I think, might not be feeling well. Haven't seen him uh, today or last week. So pray for him. And Anne uh, was invited to church and led to the Lord by Ruth. And Ruth's uh, mother-in-law passed away, and she's in Chicago still and, and will be with us hopefully soon. But she's ministering to her family there. But I want to talk about baptism, and I want to answer some questions. Baptism and some questions about it. Where? Why, when, and who? Where, why, when, and who? And we can go to Romans chapter number 6 and start there. In Romans chapter 6, it clearly shows us that baptism is a picture of a burial. It says here in verse number 3, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And so there you see the word burial being used to describe baptism. And that's what baptism is supposed to be. That's what it's supposed to picture. And that's why uh, we represent that with the death and burial and then resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, because that is the picture of baptism. Uh, From the beginning of the New Testament, 2,000 years ago, that was baptism. When you read people getting baptized, you read about them being at the Jordan River, or at the River Anon, because there was much water there. Uh, And our passage that we're going to go to in a little bit in Acts, it says, the sea here is water, what hinders me to be baptized? And so baptism requires an immersion. And I realize there are other religions and other churches that have somehow gotten away from that concept and they've taken a little bit of water and maybe they've poured it over someone's head or sprinkled it on their head, something like that. But let me tell you something, that isn't correct baptism. That's not the, the, the definition of the word baptism is immerse. And the idea of it is immersion and, and it's, it's the idea of burial. Now, uh, along with that, in 1 Corinthians 15, you have the chapter of the resurrection. It's all about the resurrection and how that we have hope. And Easter Sunday, a lot of times you'll hear a message preached out of 1 Corinthians 15 because of the resurrection. But in that chapter, it talks about if in, in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable because the resurrection is what gives us hope. I mean, otherwise, what would be the point of even worshiping the Lord or even singing that beautiful song that Josh just sang? If there is no resurrection from the dead, if Christianity is only for the here and now, we're losing. But praise God, we're not losing because Christianity isn't just for the here and now. There's a resurrection, and that's why the celebration of Easter is so wonderful. But in that chapter, it says, why baptize for the dead if the dead rise not? And from there, the Mormons have taken the concept that you're supposed to baptize for dead people. That's not what the passage is teaching. What it's saying is, is why baptize if there is no resurrection? Why baptize for the dead if the dead rise not? Why bat- In other words, this is what baptize- baptism would look like if there was no resurrection. Here's how baptism would look like. Death, burial, blah, 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 blah. And Jay wouldn't want to do it today. Because if there is no erection, that's baptism. Blah, 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 blah. That's it. But see, there's a resurrection. That's the point. That's the illustration here. That's what's given. So we understand that the where has to be in water, deep water. All right? And so baptism pictures the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, secondly, why? Why should one be baptized? Because baptism will save you. Yes or no? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 says, For we are saved by grace 
By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So salvation is not something you do. It's something you receive. It is the gift of God. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And so if you've ever received a gift, you only got it because you received it. If there's a gift with your name on it, but you've never taken it, it's not yours, even though it was paid for and has designated to you. And salvation is that way, friend. If you have never received the gift of salvation, it's there for you. It's been paid for on the cross, but you have to take it and receive it. See, a gift can't be forced on you, and you can't work for it. Because if you can work for it, you just wiped out the definition of gift. It now becomes something you earned. Romans chapter 3 says in verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23, right in the passage where we were earlier, it says in the last verse, For the wages of sin is death. Wages, now that's something you, you, you work for. You work for wages. Well, the earning for sin is death. That's what I got coming to me for being a sinner. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can see there's a difference between wage and and gift. Wage you earned. Gift has to be accepted freely. No strings attached. No deals made. And so today, Jay is going to be baptized. But when he gets baptized, he will not then have the gift of salvation. He received the gift of salvation already. And so why should one be baptized? Not because it will save you, but let her be because you have already been saved. In Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6, it says concerning Jesus Christ, it calls him the lamb. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. That was written over 3,000 years ago. And Jesus, of course, was born 2,000 years ago. And so even before Jesus was born, it was prophesied that he was the lamb and that the lamb would die and pay for the sin of the world and take upon him the iniquity of us all. That is the gospel message. And it was given even in the Old Testament And in the New Testament, in Acts chapter number 8, we have a beautiful story of a man who was from Ethiopia. In Acts chapter 8, we were here last month. We mentioned this when someone else was being baptized. Acts chapter 8, and this Ethiopian eunuch, he was traveling back to Ethiopia. He had gone up to Jerusalem to worship. He was not aware of all that had taken place. This was shortly after Jesus was crucified and rose from the grave. But there were no emails or newspaper or television stations back then and so he hadn't heard all the news all he had was Isaiah and he takes Isaiah back with him he I don't know if he bought the scroll of Isaiah or what but he had Isaiah and he's reading Isaiah 53 and he's reading about this man who was a lamb who was the was slaughtered to be the uh, the payment for sin for all for all of us and God sees this Ethiopian crying out and looking for him and so God sends him Philip It says here in verse 29 of Acts chapter 8, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? 
And he said, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shearer. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered him, <clears throat> answered Philip <clears throat> and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Who is Isaiah talking about here? When when he wrote these words, what what who was he who was he referring to? And of course, if you le- read Isaiah fifty three, you can see uh, that that's what they were reading. So Philip, I love it when you have a question like that. It's, they call it a home run pitch. You know what I mean? It's a it's an easy one. Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scriptures and preached unto him Jesus. Philip said, "Oh, this is easy. The Lamb." is the Lord Jesus Christ. John the Baptist looked at Jesus as he was there at the Jordan River and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. The Lord Jesus Christ has been the Lamb. In fact, it says in Revelation, he was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. He's always been the Lamb. Even before they started sacrificing Old Testament animal lambs, Jesus was already considered the Lamb. And now he's come, he's died, and paid for the sin of the world and rose again. Remember, several years ago at Star Academy that we used to have a juvenile correction center here, and I was at Star Academy, and it was around Easter, and I was teaching and preaching on on this very subject, and I talked to a young man who had been incarcerated over in the East River. That's where all the bad people are. And uh, talked to this young man, and he had been incarcerated. He was there, and I was sharing with him about Jesus Christ dying on the cross to pay for our sin. And I said, you know what Easter is about, right? He said, uh... And he said, well, uh, Easter Bunny. No, no, you know, but you know what Easter's about. Jesus died on the cross. You heard that, right? Yeah. Well, did you know what happened three days later? You know what happened three days later? No. This is South Dakota. This isn't third world country. I mean, it is East River. We'll give you that. But you know what happened three days later? He rose from the grave. He died on the cross, but three days later, he rose from the grave. He looked at me like, get out. He, couldn't believe, he thought I was joking. He didn't know. He knew about the bunny. The devil's done a pretty good job, hasn't he? I don't know for sure what the Ethiopian would have said when Philip said, this is Jesus. And he died on the cross just a few weeks ago, just a couple months ago. He died on the cross to pay for our sin. He is the lamb. And guess what? Guess what, Ethiopian? Guess what? Three days later, he rose from the grave. I don't know what the Ethiopian, the Ethiopian might have, get out. What? He rose from the grave three days later. He's alive. I witnessed him. I know. I've got friends who saw him. I've got a friend named Thomas put his finger in his hands. Or was going to anyway. No. He preached unto him, Jesus. He's alive. It's been a long time since that happened, but he's still alive. And he's still coming back. And I'm so thankful for that too. Now, if you're not saved, you're not ready for him to come back. But Philip opened his mouth and began to preach to this Ethiopian who was traveling back to Ethiopia and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the the Ethiopian, the eunuch, said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? 
I just want to point out that surely he had a canteen with him. Surely traveling, by the way, this, this happened in a place called Gaza. You might have heard of a place like that. That's where this story takes place. He's traveling, and, there, and, and you, you, you can be sure in a chariot this man had water, drinking water. But he did not reach down and say, well, here's some water. What hinders me to be baptized? No, as they went on their way, there was a certain place. He said, see, here is water. And they stopped the chariot. And they both went down into the water. But that Ethiopian did not get saved because he got into the water. Because it says here in verse 36, what doth hinder me to be, here is water, what doth hinder me to be baptized? There are Bibles out there today who do not have verse 37 in it. 37 is just not there. Well, the, the scholars and the, the manuscript authorities say that verse 37 is doubtful and shouldn't be there. Can I tell you something? As I said earlier, a month ago, without 37, you change the whole picture. Because verse 37 says, Philip said, before we get baptized, before you get baptized, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. See, Bible baptism is a believer's baptism. When I was out of town last week, I, I picked up a, some articles and some doc, a documentary and some other material concerning something called the Anabaptists. What were the Anabaptists? Well, they were people who were part of a Protestant movement. What is Protestant? Well, the Protestants had separated from the Catholic Church. They were protesting some things in the Catholic Church. And so the Protestants, with Martin Luther and, and uh, other men like that, were, were protesting. And they were making protests. And I think I can agree with, with most of what their protests were. Amongst the Protestants, there were some folks that were saying, but you Protestants are still not going far enough. We read in the Scripture some things that we disagree with that you are trying to force. And see, over in Europe, there was no separation of church and state. The state and the church worked together, and the state was like the church's arm to make people do things. You, we passed an offering plate a little while ago. Back then, you, you gave or paid. You paid. You paid. Whether you liked it or not, you paid. We in this beautiful country called America got started and founded in the First Amendment, the freedom of religion. In fact, all of the First Amendment is pretty much church. And there was one man, his name was Michael Sattler. <clears throat> he and his wife, they were starting, he, and Michael was a, uh, a monk for a while. He began to see things that he didn't like, that he didn't agree with. And he ended up being a part of this radical group called the Anabaptists. And Anna means another baptism. The reason why they called them Anabaptists is because everybody, everybody over there, it was part of your citizenship. When you were born, you were baptized. That's just the way it was. You were born, you're baptized. You don't baptize your babies, you're a heretic. Out there, 
on the wall, there's a painting with a man without a shirt on. It looks like he just got whipped. His name is Obadiah Holmes. That happened in Boston in 1651. See, even in America in 1651, there were people that were still not practicing the freedom of religion and the idea of the freedom to express or to believe as you want and to practice as you want. And so 1700s and 1776 was a beautiful thing for us. But even in 1651 in Boston, downtown Boston, I can take you to the exact place where this happened. Obadiah Holmes was whipped severely, so bad that the blood ran down his backside into his shoes. Why? Because he wouldn't submit to the Massachusetts State Church, which was congregational which was Protestant. They come out of Catholicism, but they were Protestant. And yet they, it's funny how the pilgrims came over, but soon, pretty soon people didn't agree with the Puritans. Now we got to do something to you. I'm a Baptist. Years ago, Patrick Henry in Virginia didn't like what he was seeing with the oppression on religion and how that the state religion, I think, was Episcopalian and they were trying to force everyone to pay tithe to that church. That's where the taxation without representation really came from, by the way. And Patrick Henry said, I like you Baptists. You guys are my friends. I like you guys. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to propose that we have three main relig- we have three state religions. We have, we have the Episcopalians, we have the Congregational, and we have the Baptists. How about that? You know who didn't like it? The Baptists. They said no. That's not what we believe. We believe that man has the right to not go to church at all if that's what he wants. We don't believe in coerced religion. And so the reason why Obadiah Holmes and the reason why others and Michael Sattler, who lived 100 years before in in 1500s over in Europe, he stood up and said, I believe in the freedom of religion. I believe that man has the right to make decisions for his family, including his babies, and I reject baby baptism. Why? Because if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. You remember back when you were a baby? How much did you believe when you were a baby? Babies don't believe anything. So you you can't have believer's baptism when you baptize a baby. And I'll tell you this. If you baptize a baby and then you tell them the rest of their life that you are a Lutheran or you are a Catholic or you are this because you got baptized as a baby, that's not freedom of religion. You branded them and told them what they're going to be. Now, I'm a parent and I believe in raising my kids. And so my kids are all adults now, but, but my kids never question whether we're going to church. We're going to church. There was no question. And I... My kids knew they messed around during church. They whispered and talked and whatever and didn't listen. They were in trouble. And my kids made sure that you better be sitting still. And in the early days, I was the pastor. My wife was the piano player. And there was nobody to sit with my kids and make them behave. So we just made sure they behaved. In fact, I'll tell you this. I had a plastic spoon in my pocket. You know what the plastic spoon is for? Behavior. You say, oh. I made my kids go to church. I made my kids sit still in church. I knew it would help them to sit. You know, if they're sitting still, they might actually listen once in a while. And they'll keep others from not listening if they're not fidgeting around. 
We're working on Mr. Spear. He's getting better. But you know what I never did? I never, I never told my kids, you're getting saved today. You're getting baptized tomorrow. You're a bapt. I never said that. They had to decide that on their own. And now they're adults, they could rebel against that if they wanted to. I can't spank them anymore. That has to be their decision. It has to be. And praise God, if you have the truth and you teach the truth and you demonstrate the truth, sooner or later they're going to say, I believe the truth. I, I think I can say this without a doubt. My children do not do what they do because it's just what they do, but they do it because they really believe in something. There's a difference there. Now, that's good parenting, I think. I'm not, not perfect parenting, but that's good kind of parenting versus baptizing them or telling them that you are a Baptist. Don't you dare talk to anybody else. You're a Baptist. Talk about insecurity. Truth's not afraid of examination. And Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. Michael Sattler was tried and convicted for being an Anabaptist. Anna meaning another baptism. Rejecting his baby baptism and saying, I'm a believer and now I need to be baptized. My own father had that similar testimony of, of getting baptized as an adult after he was a believer. In the case of Michael Sattler, because he was so influential in his teaching, they actually tortured him and cut his tongue out. They sentenced him to be burned to death at the stake, but they were afraid that on his way to the stake, he would talk and tell people about the Lord and about the truth, and they were afraid that he would keep talking, so they cut his tongue out. But you know what it did? It had the opposite effect. People said, if they're willing to be burned at the stake, if, if, if these people are so insecure about what they say they believe, they've got to cut that guy's tongue out, it had the opposite effect. Same thing with Obadiah Holmes on Boston. If he's willing to go through that, there must be something to it. What's he, what's he suffering for for that? Why? Because without belief, what's the point? There's not a doubt in my mind why 37 has been wiped out of some Bibles. Philip said, if thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe what you said about him in Isaiah 53 being the Lamb, and I believe. Verse 38, and he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. That's the why. That's the why. Now the when. I, th I think we've already discussed that pretty clearly here. When? After his declaration. After he said, I believe. Then he was baptized. But what if a believer was never baptized? <gasps> what if someone believed but then never got baptized? Well, there's one guy hanging on a cross next to Jesus. He said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And nobody said, time out, we got to go baptize him. That thief died on the cross next to Jesus without a baptism. 
But according to Jesus' words, he went to heaven, paradise. See, baptism does not save. What baptism does is it tells everybody that they got saved. This thing on my finger here, it tells you something about me. But it is not what made me married. This gold ring does not make me married. But it certainly identifies that I am. And we would never stick one on a baby's finger. At least we ought not. It has to be an individual choice. I use the illustration about Mark 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. It's not the baptism that saves, but we just assume that unless you're dying on a cross, you will believe and then be baptized. Just like we say, he that getteth on the bus and sitteth down goeth to town. Well, you don't really have to sit down. He that getteth on the bus will go to town. Sitting down is just the logical assumption. And unless you're hanging on a cross and you have the opportunity to be baptized, you will if you're a believer. Why? Well, 500 years ago in Europe, It wasn't just nice, warm, air-conditioned, heated water. It was out in a river somewhere. But more, more serious than that, though, it was illegal. It was illegal. You are spitting on the government and the religion of the government. It was illegal. And the Anabaptists were instantly illegal that's why they're called radicals and many of them like Michael Sattler were killed for it some of them were drowned and they said ha ha now you've had your third baptism they drowned them and yet they got baptized anyway why because they believed you'd think something wrong about me if I didn't want to wear my wedding ring And I'd have to scratch my head about you if you say you're a believer, but you don't want to be baptized. And with this freedom of religion we enjoy in America and this air-conditioned building and this comfort that we have and this heated tank, it's almost too easy. But if a believer was never baptized, they're still saved, praise God, because it is the belief that saves, not the baptism. Let me show you this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is the Apostle Paul. This proves what I'm saying here. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 14. I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I baptized in mine own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Now, hold on a second. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. If baptism was a part of the gospel, why does he say Christ didn't send me to baptize but to preach the gospel? You see what he's saying there? He's saying baptism and the gospel are not the same. The gospel is first and then the baptism follows that. See, it's not a necessary part of your salvation. So two things happened within Catholic and Protestant religion. Number one, they started believing that baptism is what makes you a Christian. There are a lot of people today will tell you they're a Christian. And when you say, why, are, why do you say you're a Christian? They'll say, I was baptized. 
That's what they think. That's what they've been told. And I have to say, well, that sounds good, but why did you get baptized? So I could be a Christian. Well, hold on. Two things happened. Number one, they they started, the emphasis was on the baptism, and so people started thinking, I'm good to go because I got sprinkled or dunked or whatever. And it wasn't about belief anymore. Then secondly, they thought, well, if baptism is what saves, why wait any longer? I want my baby baptized now. See how this works? And dunking a baby is kind of tough, so let's sprinkle. I dare say there's people in this room that you got sprinkled or dunked or whatever when you were a baby. You didn't even decide that. Someone decided it for you. That's Jay. I know Jay's story is that way. So Jay is an Anabaptist. My father, same thing. Because baptism doesn't save. It is not the necessary part of the gospel salvation. It comes afterwards. Then someone else, and I'm almost done, but 1 Peter chapter 3, someone else might say, well, what about this verse, pastor? And this verse, I, I admit, this verse can throw you, but when you read the rest of the Bible, you have to realize this verse can't undo everything else the Bible's teaching. So 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 21, it says concerning Noah and the ark, and how you know the story of Noah and the ark, and how that eight people were spared, and the whole world was flooded, and the whole world was drowned in water, and Noah and his family and the animals floated on, the, on top of the water and were rescued. And speaking of the flood, you look all around the Black Hills and you can see evidence of that. In verse 21 it says, The like figure, whereunto even baptism also, doth also now save us. <gasps> That's not the end of it. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, notice the parentheses there. And so let's read it without the parentheses, and then we'll read it again with the parentheses. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Remember, baptism is a picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the idea here is is that we understand baptism is pointing to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what saves us is belief on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the confirmation of that is the parentheses that says, not the water putting away the filth of the flesh. That's not the part that saves. But the belief in the resurrection, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and believing on on the fact that Jesus Christ is God and he rose from the grave. And besides all of that, if that verse is really saying that baptism is what saves you, if that verse is really saying that, then I guess the whole world got saved. Didn't the whole world get dunked underwater? That can't be what that's saying, right? So don't let someone trip you up with that. John chapter 3 is another one. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, you must be born again. <clears throat> that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. <clears throat> you must be, that which is born of water and that which is born of the spirit. You, are not, you, are, you must be born of water and of the spirit, Jesus said. See, pastor, there's water mentioned there. 
Listen, Jesus is talking about the physical birth and the spiritual birth. And I'm not a doctor, but I do know this. In physical birth, there's water. If you were born, someone, someone's water broke. And Jesus is saying you're born of water physically and you're born of the spirit. It is the new birth, the spiritual birth that is salvation. Physical birth, born of water, is something we've all had. Then here in, in Custer, South Dakota, I had a businessman years ago use this verse and try to show this verse to me. And I just want to show it to you. Acts chapter 16. Years ago, I just met him and we were talking and he was trying to argue about this very subject. And I don't like to argue, but he was bringing this up. And here's what he said, Acts chapter 16 and verse 31. And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And the man said to me, he still lives in Custer. He said to me, see, his whole house got baptized. And he probably had babies in the house. And I said, first of all, you don't know how old his household was. And secondly, we know that everyone that heard the word of the Lord, they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. The babies didn't hear the word of the Lord. So those are verses I have heard in my lifetime that people have tried to use to say that baptism saves. Baptism doesn't save. I think logic tells us that. I think biblical scripture and reasoning tells us that, that we understand that baptism is to take place after you are a believer. Jay was baptized as a baby. He shared with me that he then was baptized later on. But he said, Pastor, I wasn't a believer until not too long ago. And so I want to have a believer's baptism. So the truth is, ladies and gentlemen, Jay's never been baptized. He got sprinkled when he was a baby. He got dunked later on in a religious ceremony, but he's never truly been baptized because biblical baptism is after you are a believer. My father was raised Lutheran. He was baptized Lutheran. But at the age of about 26 years old, he listened to a gospel message presentation. He didn't even want to go to the meeting, but he went because my mom wanted him to go he heard the gospel and he received the gift of salvation. He received the good news that Jesus Christ paid for the sin of the world on the cross and that he can be saved if he'll receive that for himself. And my father was saved that day. I was just about to be born when that took place. And that changed the direction of my family. I'm so thankful. My father was excited about his salvation and he wanted to go to church somewhere. And so he found a place to go to church and he shared with the minister how he'd been saved. And the minister said, well, you need to be baptized. And, and he thought about it and read the Bible and said, yeah, that's what I need to do. So, so then he went home and he started to make plans for his baptism. And he called my grandma and he said, mom, I got saved. She didn't want to know what that meant. He said, and now I'm going to get baptized. She said, Tommy, you were already baptized. He said, I was she said, yeah, you were baptized. You and your sister were baptized when you were babies. Oh, I didn't even know that. And mom, I wasn't saved. She said, mom, now I'm saved and now I'm going to be baptized. She said, you're already baptized. He said, mom, I wasn't baptized as a baby. That wasn't my baptism. I didn't even make a decision. He said, mom, I'm going to get baptized next week. I want you to come watch. 
And my grandma said, no. My grandma's a nice woman. But that day she was upset. She was offended. My grandma did not go to the baptism. But I am thankful he still got it done anyway. Because even though she didn't go, it started to work on her mind. And my father continued to love her and continued to talk to her. And God started doing things in his life. And after several years, I remember one night I was being put to bed and my mom said, you pray for grandma and grandpa. They're sitting at the dining room table and they're talking about Jesus and about salvation. I remember going to bed that night. And I woke up the next morning and my grandparents were believers. By that time, my father had become a minister. And the woman that wouldn't come to watch her son get baptized, 10 years later, allowed her son to baptize her. Now, what my dad had to put up with with my grandmother is nothing compared to what they had to put up with 500 years ago. But every time someone obeys God, it speaks to other people. Jay, I guarantee you that your baptism today has been an influence on somebody else in this room that you and I might not even know. When you obey God, friend, it has a domino effect on other people. So the who, who can get baptized? Whosoever will may come. John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So I ask you, have you already been saved by faith and not by works? Or did you think before you walked in here today that you were a Christian because someone told you you were and But do you now realize you need to be saved according to the scripture? You need to, by faith, receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and not hang on to some baptism or some church membership or something else. Have you? Or do you need to be? And secondly, if you are a believer, since that time, have you been scripturally baptized? Have you been scripturally, after belief, after salvation, been immersed death, burial, and resurrection? If not, then you need to be baptized as well. There are other people in this room, I'm looking back and seeing someone right now. Said, Pastor, I know I'm saved, but I need to get baptized. I'm so thankful for obedient people who say, you know, if I'm going to believe something, I'm going to let other people see it. I'm going to follow Jesus' example in baptism. My friend Jim is not here today. I think it could be illness. I'm going to find out this afternoon and try to call him. Jim said, I knew I didn't have to be baptized to go to heaven, but I also realized that Jesus wants us to follow him in baptism. He wants us to put on the ring." And that's why Jim got baptized last month. How about you? Are you a believer? That's number one. 
Are you, believe, are you right now trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone? Not anything else, not any other religious ceremony that took place in your life, but just in him alone. Are you trusting in him alone right now? Or do you need help understanding what that means? And secondly, are you a believer but you've not been baptized since your belief? You need to follow God's example in that. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm going to pray.